What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. Dan Malin, Matt Sells. This is the Fantasy Alarm NASCAR DFS podcast for this weekend's races, truck, Xfinity Cup from Atlanta. Uh, but we'll talk last week's race in Phoenix real quick. Matt, how was Phoenix for you? Um, I thought it was a pretty decent race. I know there's there's some people on Twitter, well, more than some people, who were not terribly fond of that race. Um, I thought it was pretty entertaining. Yeah, the front guy could kind of pull away and did at the end there, but um, I thought it was a pretty entertaining race. I didn't have enough Martin Truex, that's for sure. Um, I did okay, not great, but did okay. I'm kind of in the same boat. Like I play, I did enough to make 75 bucks, which I was happy with. Yeah. I mean, it was certainly nice to see Kevin Harvick rise from the dead. He definitely came, came back. Uh, same old Kyle Busch, right? Not a fast enough car and then spun it out and then complained about it for a while. Um, (laughs) and you know, it was nice seeing um, Bubba Wallace had a pretty fast car there. They just did not have the proper uh, late race strategy. Otherwise, he could have been a factor because uh, that car was, was pretty quick once you got it up front. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with Chase Elliott at Phoenix where he can lead a bunch of laps and then he somehow forgets how to drive and then winds up further back in the pack than he should be. <laughs> Um, and, uh, by the way, did somebody replace Kyle Larson with a yo-yo? Because he went back to front, back to front, back to front so many times. It's like he was doing the walk the dog <laughs> trick. Like, that was a pretty good showing from Kyle Larson there. For a guy that, for Phoenix, it's not supposed to be easy to move up at. He did it three separate times. I mean, we've kind of seen the speed the last two weeks just out of his car. And we've always wondered, you know... What could he do with elite equipment? And he's showing what he can do. By the way, side note, he leads NASCAR in most fastest laps at this point in the season. He's got like 125. The next closest is like 115. The car is insanely fast. Um, He's he's obviously – and he's still criminally – well, he was until obviously we got the prices for Atlanta. Uh, But – Keeping him under 10K, especially after he dominated Vegas. I didn't really get it last week. Um, but we will move to uh, Atlanta. Uh, it's my backyard. And, uh, I don't know, technically Hampton, Georgia is like an hour away, so I can't say that. Um, but, yeah, we're at Atlanta. It's backyard, too. It's true. It's true. Um, but Atlanta this week, it's a mile and a half. Kind of like your cookie-cutter mile-and-a-half intermediate track, uh, but this track eats tires like no other on the NASCAR circuit, correct? Yeah, it's um, – to put it on the extreme scale of tire wear is a little underselling what this thing does. It's – as I'm saying in my track breakdown, which will be out after this podcast, um, you could pretty easily confuse Atlanta Motor Speedway for sandpaper because it's – it's rough. Like, it's really worn down. They tried to repave it a few years ago now, and the drivers basically revolted and said, no, we like the surface the way it is because it puts it in the driver's hands, which it does. The guys that can make tires last longer, the guys that can find the lines that aren't eating tires quite so fast, are the guys that usually do well here. Um, but, yes, it eats tires for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, comes back for a snack of scuffs in between. Um so yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be the talk this week is tires, tires, tires. Every time there's a caution, 
four ties. You'll wonder who goes to pit for tires, right? Um, yeah, you're not going to see any two tire stops this week. You're just not. You're going to see four tire stops <laughs> at every pit stop. And if you're new to NASCAR DFS and you've never seen an Atlanta race before, you'll you'll clearly know the drivers that just took fresh tires compared to the drivers that stayed out on old tires. Yeah, they'll be making about five seconds a lap difference. Yeah, like it's I'm not even exaggerating. It's it's legitimately that much. Like if you thought tires mattered at Homestead, which they do, uh, Atlanta's about twice that. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty standard quad oval configuration. There's two. There's two turns in the straightaway at Atlanta. Um, it's most similar to Charlotte and Texas in terms of layout, but in terms of um, driving style, it's most similar to places like Homestead and Darlington and even Auto Club, which I know they haven't raced at in like two years, but uh, Auto Club fits because of tire wear. So that's the, the next time they, they race Auto Club, is it going to be a short track? They are racing Auto Club as a two-mile track one more time, and then they will convert it to a half-mile high-banked oval, like oh, West, West Coast, Coast Bristol. Bristol. Nice. Yeah. So the plan was for them to race on the high-banked oval, the high-banked half oval, for 2022 because they were going to race Auto Club this year as a two-mile, and then. In the full year in between race dates, they were going to demolish the two mile and rebuild a half mile. Uh, but because they moved the date from Auto Club to Daytona Road Course, because they wanted fans and California wasn't allowing that, uh, they're racing one more time on the two mile in 2022. And then in 2023, we'll get a high banked half mile West Coast Bristol. I love it. All right, what programming notes do we have for this weekend? I got Xfinity and truck, doubleheader Saturday. I'm not going to the race. Uh, I have a big move uh, just from literally moving to an apartment across the street next weekend, so I'm saving a little money. Uh, Would love to be there, but I'll definitely be there in July for truck, Xfinity, and Cup. But programming notes, yeah, both truck and Xfinity playbooks will be out Friday. Best bets for both races will be up Saturday. Um, what about Cup? Uh, Cup is going to be a little squished or a little different this weekend. We'll see. Um, obviously, it's now about 3 o'clock, 10 after 3 Eastern on Thursday afternoon. We're recording this podcast, um, and it'll be up immediately after we're done with it. Um, and then after that, the track breakdown write-up will be up um, for Thursday. Then you'll get DFS Cup rankings on Friday, DFS Cup projections on friday um and then it might be a combined effort between dan and myself on the cup playbook this week or it might just be dan covering it or if i can squeeze out the playbook before my 13 hour auction baseball draft on saturday um then yes i will be covering the playbook and core plays have those out on saturday uh and then all race day updates on sunday you know, in case guys fail tech inspection or news breaks, guys get shifted, you know, all that good stuff that we've dealt with pretty handily the last two weeks in Vegas and Phoenix with some key news popping up on Sundays. So that's the lay of the land for this weekend. Sweet. Want to start talking drivers? How's the weather looking this weekend, by the way, Dan? Honestly, uh, it was rainy uh, for like the, like, uh, let's say like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It rained a lot. 
this morning. And I'm I'm like an hour to 75 minutes north of the track, but it's it's sunny, it's clear right now. I'm assuming the weather will be good uh, for both races on Saturday and for the cup race on Sunday. Yeah, keep in mind that this is a track that does not dry that quickly. Right. Um, it It is a worn surface, which helps with drying, but then the problem is that it's a worn surface, so water seeps into it. And we get what Larry Mack likes to call weepers, uh, where water just starts seeping out from the underneath of the surface, generally in the corners, and then running down the banking, which obviously they have to dry before they put cars <laughs> going 180 miles an hour on 24-degree banking. It doesn't usually work. So yeah. um, that is something to watch out for if it does get, if there is some weather in the forecast. All right, and with that said, we will just dive right into the truck race. Uh, quick preview here. It's a Kyle Busch race. I've written these up already. Uh, surprisingly, though, Kyle Busch is on the front row, and he's only $14,000. I was telling myself beforehand that if he was $15,000, I may actually not play him in this race, but ever he only needs 70 points, uh, which means if he gets a win and plenty of Dominator points, he can easily hit value. However, however we only have 130 laps the truck race which means there were only 91 dominator points available um i do have a note in a preliminary truck playbook that i wrote that the truck race on saturday is at 2 30 p.m eastern time the cup race on sunday is at 3 p.m eastern time so these are arguably going off at the same time and t- same time of day it wouldn't surprise me if kyle goes out dominates the first stage and then basically spends the second stage maybe a little bit of the third stage just trying to feel out the track seeing like what grooves are working pretty well uh just seeing how the track is running in general just because the last time they ran this race it was it was last year in june so the track conditions are a little bit different than what they ran a year ago um all in all kyle bush in a truck race at fourteen thousand dollars is still a very good price tag one guy that i'm looking at is austin hill at eleven thousand dollars Starting P6. This is his home track. He grew up in Georgia. He almost ran away with this race a year ago. uh, But sadly, a late caution uh, from Chase Elliott, of all people, running in the truck race. uh, Reset the field with about four laps to go. And Grant Grant Enfinger ended up winning the race. So I'm looking at Austin Hill, who who had a very fast truck at this race last June. I understand the track conditions are going to be different this time around. But I'm still looking at Austin Hill to possibly get a win for hometown kid. And it's kind of hard not to look at uh, Ross Chastain. He's starting P40, and he's only $13,000, and he's run truck races before. He's won plenty of them, and I know he's at the cup level right now. But it seems 13000 for a guy starting P40, uh, a, a cup-level driver, is, is a little cheap. He only really needs like a top 12 for 5X value, and I'm pretty sure that that should be easy for him. I don't know if you've really looked at the trucks late yet, but those are just my quick hitting thoughts going like early on. Yeah, I mean Kyle Busch is going to be popular, maybe a little less so because he's on the pole. He doesn't offer quite the PD that we usually see from Kyle Busch when he's in a truck race when you can count on PD and then him leading laps. Um, but he's still going to be popular. I agree with your assessment that he that you know we've been talking for. I guess about a year now about how Kyle Busch bemoans the fact that there isn't practice. Well, now he gets practice on a track that he's familiar with, and he's running the race at basically the exact same time of day, two days apart. So um, he is starting, what, 19th in the cup race? Um, So 
he is going to have to move up some in the cup race compared to starting on the pole in the truck race. Um, but yeah, Ross Chastain is going to be Chalk City uh, at 13,000 with guaranteed position differential. Yeah, you can't go backwards. No. Um, and then for the Xfinity race, we have Martin Truex Jr. running in the Xfinity race. I want to say it's the first time in about a decade he's actually running an Xfinity race. Um, and DraftKings really missed on pricing here. It's it's almost laughable that he's not the most expensive driver. He's starting 18th, and he's only $11,300. He's in the JGR star car for Xfinity. Ty Gibbs has really run this car pretty well. He won uh, Daytona Road Course with it, finished second last week. Uh, all in all, uh, they missed with this price, right? Like, it's it's easy to play him in almost every lineup. Yeah, I don't understand how Kyle Busch starting on the pole in the truck race is fourteen grand, but Truex starting 18th in the Xfinity race in a car that we've seen Ty Gibbs dominate in is somehow $2,700 less than that. Like... That's that's way that's way too way too cheap. It doesn't make much sense. Uh, I can't even project that kind of ownership because I think like even if you're just a casual NASCAR DFS player, you have to understand that he should at least be two grand more, maybe even three grand more than what he currently is. I mean, sometimes like when Kyle Busch runs trucks or Xfinity, they price him up at like sixteen, seventeen grand. I don't know why they wouldn't give. Yeah, we were fully simply. expecting Kyle Busch to hit like eighteen grand a couple of weeks ago in the truck race right like <laughs> when he had guaranteed position differential and whatever yeah. so i don't know maybe it's the fact that he hasn't run an xfinity race in a decade but come on like it's, um, it's truex he's just coming off a win too at phoenix yeah. so like and he runs well at mile and a half in general anyway uh-huh yeah <laughs> uh got, his average finish in the cup series at atlanta is four and a half in the last four so why why isn't he priced up more? Beats me. You got to play him though. He's a, he's an obvious core play for the Xfinity race. Uh, I haven't looked too closely at the Xfinity pricing. I do like Ryan Sieg at ninety four hundred, but I noted last week that sometimes he just he can easily move his car up and run in the top ten. But that guy just has the worst luck. It seems uh, starting P thirty five and ninety four hundred. That's that's a good price. Michael Annette, who almost seems like a lock to finish either 7th, 8th, or ninth on any given week. He's starting P27, and DraftKings did almost nothing with his price. He's $9,000. Um, if he gets you a top 10 to 12, I mean, he's hitting good value for you. Uh, I kind of like Josh Berry this week at 8200 Price is okay, but the starting spot's really well for a guy that you know has shown that he can get a top 10 for a relatively unknown driver. Um, if I'm looking at a cheaper guy... Well, isn't he in good equipment? He's in uh, JR Motorsports equipment. So right, yeah. which is top-tier Xfinity equipment. So yep. it's the same thing where even if the guy isn't that great, he's in equipment that's going to be top-notch. So got to pounce on that one. Oh, also, I missed on this guy when I was mentioning, when I was discussing the truck race, but Brett Holmes is back. Uh, he ran Vegas a couple weeks ago. Had a top-20 car. He wrecked out late. Um he started 38th, finished 37th due to the wreck, but he was running consistently in the top 25. DraftKings did nothing with his price tag at 5,900. Um, so that's a good cheap value option for the truck race. Um, Xfinity race, honestly, I might go to Tommy Joe Martins at 4,900. He's starting P15. 
But in his last three races, we've seen him finish in the top 20 in each of them, and he's you know, he's only 4,900, so even if he goes backward a few spots, he can still return some semblance of nearly 5x value. He's like the last... Michael McDowell of <laughs> of plays. Yeah, it's just he, he comes with... a. And similar to McDowell, he comes with a lot of variance. Uh, yeah. There's there's a lot of bad luck with with Tommy Joe, but yes, he'll definitely is. make the playbook. Uh, but the price tag, I mean, if you, even if he just holds his spot, really good value, and he's he's looked solid uh, as of late. So there's a quick rundown of truck and Xfinity. I will elaborate more in the playbook for both races. But you guys are all here for the Cup race, so Matt, without further ado. Harvick versus MTJ, who are you looking at this week? Can I just start off by saying they completely missed the pricing on Cup Series 2? Yes, they did. Like, completely missed the pricing. So, how is Harvick starting, what did he start, 18th at, 16th at Phoenix, right, last week? 18th. Uh, he was 11-9 on DK last week, if I'm not mistaken. This week, he's starting seventh at a track that he also flat-out owns. Um, Best average finish over the last four races here. Best average finish over the last eight races here. Guy's got multiple wins here in the last four and eight races. Um, Yeah, I don't understand why he's the most expensive guy at 11K on DK. Here's what I I will say. I don't get it. Is that it's, it's... it's not the same track as Vegas, but this is the same setup that they had for Vegas where SHR just completely whiffed on it, right? Well, I mean, yes, in terms of horsepower and and whatnot, yeah, it's the 550 high downforce package. But then again... But we're, we're accounting for the tire strategy, too. And, right, and but knows how they to... had it Homestead, and they looked pretty good at Homestead. So... Um, and that's a more comparable race since the tire wear at Homestead is much more comparable to Atlanta. Um, but you know, I mean, Harvick also looked really good here last year without practice and in the same setup. So it's really kind of confusing, um, to see them just across the board, lower pricing, right? Like Martin Truex Jr. goes out and wins at Phoenix and looks like he has the fastest car Period. He also looked like he at a while for a while there had a very fast car at Vegas, and he's still under 10k, starting second at a track that he's finished top five at three times. It's similar the last four races. It's similar to what they did last week with Kyle Larson because Larson at Vegas was underpriced, dominated it, won it. We come back for Phoenix, and he's underpriced. And he's on the front row, very similar similar to Truex. And this is a track that Martin Truex Jr., who will get practice on this track on Saturday, right? Even though he doesn't need it, yeah. um, but he's he's looked phenomenal here in the past. Yeah. So like, it's just kind it's, of this. Like, I I know what they're doing. They're baiting you into chalk. They're creating chalk plays by not going. Okay, well, if we price this guy at twelve grand, it's going to limit how many people are going to play him because they're going to have to dumpster dive to fill out the rest of it. So if they if they narrow the, the salary range, they inflate the chalk plays, right? Like, that's what they're doing. They're making it harder to either A, avoid chalk, or B, to differentiate yourself from said chalk. Um, 
That being said, your original question was Harvick or Truex. As it stands right now, if Truex stays on the on you know the the outside pole, I would lean Truex and take the the fourteen hundred dollar savings on DK. With you, um, not that I'm not playing Harvick, I am playing Harvick, but given the fact that Truex has looked more consistent so far this year. Um, and the Vegas race, which you bring up, they did completely whiff the setup on, uh, still in the back of our minds. I kind of got to lean Truex. Um, but again, like Brad Keselowski should be priced higher than he is at 10 2. This guy's won two races here in the last four races, right? He actually has the best average finish in the last four races of anybody in the field this week at Atlanta, which is 3.3. Like, that's ridiculous to have an average finish of 3.3 over four races at any track in that span. So, um, and one of those wins, by the way, we saw he had the flu that week, right? Like 2019, like for a while there, everybody that won, like had the flu that week. There was like a bunch of flu races. Um, so Kozlowski is a guy I'm definitely looking at. It is Chase Elliott's home track. Dawsonville is like, I don't know, about an hour and a half from Atlanta Motor Speedway. Um, he's run well here in spurts. His finishes suggest he's actually done better here than it would appear. Like, when you watch the race, he's a guy that just kind of shows up in the top ten late, but you're not entirely sure how he got there, right? Like, like that's just kind of his MO at this track. Um that car has been wicked fast, though, this season, so got to look at him. Um, some guys that are capable of moving up, Kyle Busch? I don't know. Yeah. What are know. we doing like, with Kyle Busch? I like the price tag more this, price tag more this week than last week, obviously, because it's, it's a mild discount of just $100. Yeah. Um, he's, by the way, the same price on both sites, which is interesting. That's weird. All right, so he's a better play on FanDuel. <laughs> Yeah, he's 10-7 on both sites, which makes him a better play on FanDuel than he is on DraftKings. But, I mean, historically, he's done well here. But, again, he's just seemed like he's a little bit off again this year. Yeah, and it is it is the lack of practice. Like, I feel like it'll, yeah. it'll be Kyle Busch's week when we get to, I don't know, maybe Nashville? Yeah. Because um, he'll at least get back. Crystal Dirt. Oh, are they getting practice next week? Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, and they're getting heat races to set the qualifying order. Oh, boy. And he's, I think he's one of the ones that's in one of the, like, truck races or is doing the, the race beforehand, like, the, yeah. you know, I hear you. a few days before. Um so he's intriguing. Ross Chastain again is intriguing in the Cup Series. What does Kyle uh, Busch need to do to hit value, though? Uh, so he's ten seven on DraftKings. So five X is what fifty three and a half points. Yeah, and he's starting nineteenth. So starting nineteenth, he's got twenty four points from that. So he's gonna have to move up. He needs a top five essentially. 
Yeah, probably. Right? I mean, if he gets if he gets to fifth, it's 39 points, and he will have moved up 14, which puts it at 53 points. And that's without any fastest lap or last leg. So. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I'm going back to him. I think that's one of the guys they priced right, because it makes you think about if you're playing him or not based on what he has to do to hit 5X. Um, so, you know, we'll see. Um Tyler Reddick is a really. Wait, can nice I ask you a question? Can I ask you a yep. question? Who is the weakest driver on JGR right now? The weakest driver on JGR right now is it Kyle Busch? I think based on average finishes and whatnot, this over about the last year, you'd have to say it, right? Yeah. It can't be Denny. Even though he hasn't won yet this year, he's got a the best average finish in the I mean, field. he crushed it. It was like, it was the Kenny and Kevin show or the Denny and Kevin show a year right. ago. He won like nine races last year. So and he's won three, not of, Denny. three of the last six Daytona 500s. Truex is coming off a win. Bell's got a win this year. And by the way, he's looked good when he's not been Bell's winning. Like that car good, yeah. was consistently in the top five last week. Um, Kyle yeah. Busch is the worst driver on JGR. <laughs> Kyle Busch is the worst driver on JGR right now. Um, and I don't even know that that's a hot take. <laughs> it's, not. Like, it's just it's just one of those things that you say out loud, and you're just like, "Wow!" It sounds super weird, but yeah, it makes sense. Um, <laughs> Austin Hendrick way. is going to be chalk. Um, hey, who? Austin oh, Cinder. He's starting mm-hmm. dead last, right? Yeah, he's starting dead last. He's sixty-two hundred on DK. He's eighty, or sorry, sixty-two hundred on Fanduel and eighty-six hundred on DK. Guy's going to be chalky. Um, in the one race we saw him this year, he actually looked better than he wound up finishing. Um, yeah, you're going to probably want to get some Austin Sindrick in there for sure. Um, Tyler Reddick is a guy who I really like this week. I really like Reddick. The dirt tracking, the dirt tracking background guys can really do well in Atlanta because at some point you're going to have to drive with your tires sliding all over the place. And so the dirt trackers can can kind of get that done a little bit better than everybody else. So Reddick is an intriguing guy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a super strong feel about a bunch of others yet, but I'm getting there. Um, there's some guys that are starting in super interesting spots for me this week. Um, well, what if I pose this question to you? Who are some drivers, aside from Martin Truex Jr., aside from Kevin Harvick, who are some drivers here that kind of understand the tire strategy that you may look at regardless of starting spot? So I guess basically I'm asking, like, based on track history, which I don't like doing when we're not at – when we know to practice. But as long as you understand the tire strategy here – you and you have experience running here, like I feel like you know you can feel good about starting these guys no matter where they start. Yeah, I think Kurt Busch is a guy that can do that. Okay. I think he's proven um, that he did run pretty well here last uh, last July, I guess, it was, or August, when the heck the race came back. I know uh, his car looked better to start the year than right now, but, I mean, he had a top 10 at Miami just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, um, that car was set up really well. And again, tire wear there is pretty comparable. Um, You know, in terms of some other guys who can save tires 
pretty well. Ricky Stenhouse is a guy that comes to mind. Um, he's got a former dirt track background, so at least he can handle tires that are starting to go, um, even if he's not always been the most consistent guy on the track. Um, and in that, um, you know, frame of mind, I believe, isn't Chase Briscoe got a dirt background? Maybe. I thought he did some dirt racing in, um, in Indiana, like following Tony Stewart's, uh, yeah, no, that rings a bell there. So he's an interesting guy. I know he hasn't shown a whole lot in that 14 car, um, but he's an interesting guy to look at, as is Christopher Bell, obviously. Uh, we had a very nice debate in the NASCAR chat over who would be the more expensive guy at Bristol next week, Christopher Bell or Kyle Larson. Larson. Uh, I'm still saying a sneaky pick is Bell, but I don't think they would actually do that. <laughs> I think they're going to price Kyle Larson so obscenely high mm. that it's going to make it impossible to play him. Um. But we'll see. Maybe they price everybody the same and treat it like Daytona, <laughs> where people are going to wreck out and you're just going to have to avoid it. Um, so those would be some guys um, that intrigue me uh, this week in terms of, you know, tire strategy. Um, so. Who's maybe the cheapest driver you would look at? Oh, the cheapest on DK? Yeah, for me, it's... It's probably Busher or Priest. Yeah, we're talking just under, just under six. Yeah, I don't like dumpster diving. I, I really hate dumpster diving at the cup level. <laughs> I just don't think it ever pays off outside of Talladega or Daytona. Yeah. Um. I would say Suarez is an interesting guy. Um, although he will not have his normal crew chief this week. Neither will Brad Keselowski, by the way. Um, they got suspended for a race for lug nut issues. Um, Nuts. So Suarez is intriguing to me. It's 6,500. But yeah, I'm with you. I don't know that going much below six makes any sense, especially with the deflated top end prices. Mm-hmm. Like you can completely live in the mid tier. Yeah, like you can make a pretty balanced lineup this week. You don't. You shouldn't be looking at Timmy Hill, Quinn Huff, McLeod, or Cody Ware. No. All right. All right. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time. Uh, everybody, be on the lookout. Uh, loaded weekend, doubleheader on Saturday. I know March Madness is going on. Hell, I'll be watching it too. Uh, but definitely mix in some some NASCAR DFS. Matt and I will be in the chat. With that said, Matt, best of luck to you and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation.